Welcome to Wick Me to Sleep, where, together, we follow intriguing blue links through the depths of Wikipedia until you're sound asleep. Distract your racing mind with semi-interesting content until it becomes so boring you drift away. Tonight, we'll randomly start on a page titled Alfaras. Alfaras is a municipality in the comarca of the Segria in Catalonia, Spain. It is situated on the right bank of the Noguera Ribagosarna River and receives irrigation water from the Aragon and Catalonia Canal. The town is served by the N230 road between Balaguer and Binet Fog. We are going to click into Catalonia. Catalonia is an autonomous community of Spain designated as a nationality by its statute of autonomy. Most of its territory, except the Val d'Aran, lies on the northeast of the Iberian Peninsula to the south of the Pyrenees mountain range. Catalonia is administratively divided into four provinces, Barcelona, Girona, Lieda, and Tarragona. The capital and largest city, Barcelona, is the second most populated municipality in Spain and the fifth most populous urban area in the European Union. Modern-day Catalonia comprises most of the medieval and early modern Principality of Catalonia, with the remainder Roussillon, now part of France's Pyrenees Oriental. It is bordered by France and Andorra to the north, the Mediterranean Sea to the east, and the Spanish autonomous communities of Aragon to the west and Valencia to the south. The official languages are Catalan, Spanish, and the Aranais dialect of Occitan. In the late 8th century, various counties across the eastern Pyrenees were established by the Frankish kingdom as a defensive barrier against Muslim invasions. In the 10th century, the county of Barcelona became progressively independent. In 1137, Barcelona and the Kingdom of Aragon were united by marriage under the Crown of Aragon. Within the Crown, the Catalan counties adopted a common polity, the Principality of Catalonia, develop, developing its institutional system such as courts, generalitat, and constitutions, becoming the base for the Crown's Mediterranean trade and expansionism. In the later Middle Ages, Catalan literature flourished, and in 1469, the King of Aragon and the Queen of Castile were married and ruled their realms together, retaining all their distinct institutions and legislation. Jumping down the page to etymology and pronunciation, one theory suggests that Catalonia derives from the name Gothia, or Gothia, Launia, land of the Goths. Since the origins of the Catalan counts, lords, and people were found in the March of Gothia, known as Gothia. Whence, Gothland, to Gothlandia, to Gothl Gothalania, to Catalania, to Catalonia, theoretically derived. During the Middle Ages, Byzantine chroniclers claimed that Catalania derives from the local medley of Goths with Alans, initially constituting a Gothalania. Let's click into Goths. 
The Goths were Germanic people who played a major role in the fall of the Western Roman Empire and the emergence of medieval Europe. In his book Geltica, the historian Jordans writes that the Goths originated in southern Scandinavia, but the accuracy of this account is unclear. A people called the Gutongs, possibly early Goths, are documented living near the lower Vistula River in the first century, where they are associated with the archaeological wildbark culture. From the second century, the wildbark culture expanded southwards towards the Black Sea and what has been associated with Gothic migration. And by the late third century, it contributed to the formation of the Cherniakov culture. By the fourth century, at the latest, several Gothic groups were distinguishable, among whom the Theravingi and Groetungi were the most powerful. During this time, Wolfilia began the conversion of Goths to Christianity. Jumping down to physical appearance, in ancient sources, the Goths are always described as tall and athletic, with light skin, blonde hair, and blue eyes. The 4th century Greek historian Eunapius described their characteristic powerful musculature in a pejorative way. Quote, their bodies provoked contempt in all who saw them, for they were far too big and far too heavy for their feet to carry them, and they were pinched at the waist, just like those insects Aristotle writes of. End quote. Procopius notes that the Vandals and the Gepids look similar to the Goths, and on this basis he suggests that they were all of common origin. Of the Goths, he wrote that, quote, they all have white bodies and fair hair and are tall and handsome to look upon. I'm going to click into Aristotle. Aristotle, 384 to 322 BC, was an ancient Greek philosopher and polymath. His writings cover a broad range of subjects spanning the natural sciences, philosophy, linguistics, economics, politics, psychology, and the arts. As the founder of the Peripatetic School of Philosophy in the Lyceum in Athens, he began the wider Aristotelian tradition that followed, which set the groundwork for the development of modern science. Little is known about Aristotle's life. He was born in the city of Stagira in northern Greece during the Classical period. His father, Nicomachus, died when Aristotle was a child, and he was brought up by a guardian. At 17 or 18 years of age, he joined Plato's Academy in Athens and remained there until the age of 37. Shortly after Plato died, Aristotle left Athens and at the request of Philip II of Macedon, tutored his son, Alexander the Great, beginning in 343 BC. He established a library in the Lyceum, which helped him to produce many of his hundreds of books on papyrus scrolls. We're at the part where the content is now going to start to get more boring, so let's click into papyrus. Papyrus is a material similar to thick paper that was used in ancient times as a writing surface. 
It was made from the pith of the papyrus plant, a wetland sedge. Papyrus, plural, papyri or papyruses, can also refer to a document written on sheets of such material, joined side by side and rolled up into a scroll, an early form of a book. Papyrus was first known to have been used in Egypt, at least as far back as the first dynasty, as the papyrus plant was once abundant across the Nile Delta. It was also used throughout the Mediterranean region. Apart from a writing material, ancient Egyptians employed papyrus in the construction of other artifacts, such as reed boats, mats, rope, sandals, and baskets. Manufacture and use. Papyrus is made from the stem of the papyrus plant. The outer rind is first removed and the sticky fibrous inner pith is cut lengthwise into thin strips of about 40 centimeters long. The strips are then placed side by side on a hard surface with their edges slightly overlapping. And then another layer of strips is laid on top at right angles. The strips may have been soaked in water long enough for decomposition to begin, perhaps increasing adhesion, but this is not certain. The two layers possibly were glued together. While still moist, the two layers are hammered together, mashing the layers into a single sheet. The sheet is then dried under pressure. After drying, the sheet is polished with a rounded object, possibly a stone, seashell, or round hardwood. Sheets, or malema, could be cut to fit the obligatory size or glued together to create a longer roll. The point where the malema are joined with glue is called the colesis. A wooden stick would be attached to the last sheet in a roll, making it easier to handle. To form the long strip scrolls required, a number of such sheets were untied, or a number of such sheets were united placed so all the horizontal fibers parallel with the roll's length were on one side and all the vertical fibers on the other. Normally, texts were first written on the recto, the lines following the fibers, parallel to the long edges of the scroll. Secondarily, papyrus was often used, writing across fibers on the verso. Pliny the Elder describes the methods of preparing papyrus in his Naturalist Historia. In a dry climate like that of Egypt, papyrus is stable, formed as it is of highly rot-resistant cellulose, but storage in humid conditions can result in molds, attacking and destroying the material. Library papyrus rolls were stored in wooden boxes and chests made in the form of statues. Papyrus scrolls were organized according to subject or author and identified with clay labels that specified their contents without having to unroll the scroll. I'm going to click into Mold. A mold is one of the structures that certain fungi can form. The dust-like colored appearance of molds is due to the formation of spores containing fungal secondary metabolites. The sponges are the dispersal units of the fungi. Not all fungi form molds. 
Some fungi form mushrooms. Others grow as single cells and are called microfungi. For example, yeasts. Food production. The koji molds are a group of aspergillus species, notably the aspergillus orizae, and secondarily, a soja, that have been cultured in Eastern Asia for many centuries. They are used to ferment a soybean and wheat mixture to make soybean paste and soy sauce. Koji molds break down the starch in rice, barley, sweet potatoes, etc., a process called saccharification, in the production of sake, soju, and other distilled spirits. Koji molds are also used in preparation of katsuboshi. Let's click into sake. Sake, also referred to as Japanese rice wine, is an alcoholic beverage of Japanese origin made by fermenting rice that has been polished to remove the brand. Despite the name Japanese rice wine, sake, and indeed any East Asian rice wine, such as Wanju and Chengju, is produced by a brewing process more akin to that of beer, where starch is converted into sugars that ferment into alcohol. Whereas in wine, alcohol is produced by fermenting sugar that is naturally present in fruit, typically grapes. The brewing process for sake differs from the process for beer, where the conversion from starch to sugar and then from sugar to alcohol occurs in two distinct steps. Like other rice wines, when sake is brewed, these conversions occur simultaneously. The alcohol content differs between sake, wine, and beer, while most beer contains between 3 to 9% ABV. Wine generally contains 9 to 16% ABV, and undiluted sake contains 18 to 20% ABV, although it is often lowered to about 15% by diluting with water before bottling. Seasonality. Because the cooler temperatures make it more difficult for bacteria to grow, sake brewing traditionally took place mainly in winter, and this was especially true from 1673 during the Edo period until the early 20th century during the Showa era. While it can now be brewed year-round, seasonality is still associated with sake, particularly artisanal ones. The most visible symbol of this is the sugatama, a globe of cedar leaves traditionally hung outside a brewery when the new sake is brewed. The leaves start green but turn brown over time, reflecting the maturation of the sake. These are now hung outside many restaurants serving sake. The New Year's sake is called shinshu, new sake, and when initially released in late winter or early spring, Many brewers have a celebration known as kurabir, known as kurabiraki, warehouse opening. Traditionally, sake was best transported in the cool spring to avoid spoilage in the summer heat, with a secondary transport in autumn once the weather had cooled, known as hayaroshi, cold wholesale distribution. This autumn sake has matured over the summer. Let's click into cedar. Cedrus, common English name cedar, 
as a genus of coniferous trees in the plant family Pinaceae, subfamily Abiotoidae. They are native to the mountains of the western Himalayas and the Mediterranean region, occurring at altitudes of 1,500 to 3,200 meters in the Himalayas and 1,000 to 2,200 meters in the Mediterranean. Cedrus trees can grow up to 30 to 40 meters, occasionally 60 meters tall, with spicy resinous scented wood, thick ridged or square cracked bark, and broad level branches. The, sh the shoots are dimorphic and are made up of long shoots, which form the framework of the branches, and short shoots, which carry most of the leaves. The leaves are evergreen and needle-like, 80 to 60 millimeters long, arranged in an open spiral phyllotaxis on long shoots and in a dense spiral clusters of 15 to 45 together on short shoots. They vary from bright grass green to dark green to strongly glaucous pale blue green, depending on the thickness of the white wax layer, which protects the leaves from desiccation. The seed cones are barrel shaped, 6 to 12 centimeters long and 3 to 8 centimeters broad. Green maturing gray-brown and, as an ibice, disintegrate at maturity to release the winged seeds. The seeds are 10 to 15 millimeters long with a 20 to 30 millimeter wing. The seeds have two or three resin blisters containing an unpleasant tasting resin, thought to be a defense against squirrel predation. Cone maturation takes one year with pollination in autumn and the seeds maturing the same time a year later. The pollen cones are slender, ovoid, 3 to 8 centimeters long, produced in late summer and shedding pollen in autumn. Let's click into resin and wrap it up. In polymer chemistry and material science, a resin is a solid or highly viscous substance of plant or synthetic origin that is typically convertible into polymers. Resins are usually mixtures of organic compounds. This article focuses mainly on naturally occurring resins. Plants secrete resins for their protective benefits in response to injury. Resins protect plants from insects and pathogens. Resins can found a wide range of herbivores, insects, pathogens, while the volatile phenolic compounds may attract benefactors, such as parasitoids or predators, of the herbivores that attack the plant. History and Etymology Human use of plant resins has a very long history that was documented in ancient Greece by Theophratus and ancient Rome by Pliny the Elder. Hey, there he is again. And especially in the resins known as frankincense and myrrh, prized in ancient Egypt. These were highly prized substances and required as incense in some religious rites. The word resin comes from French resin, from Latin resina, which either derives from or is a cognate of the Greek retin, resin of the pine, of unknown earlier origin, though probably not Indo-European. 
The word resin has been applied to the modern world to nearly any component of a liquid that will set into a hard lacquer or enamel-like finish. An example is nail polish. Certain casting resins and synthetic resins, such as epoxy resin, have also been given the name resin. Some naturally derived resins, when soft, are known as oleoresins, and when containing benzoic acid or cinnamic acid, they are called balsams. Oleoresins are naturally occurring mixtures of an oil and a resin. They can be extracted from various plants. Other resinous products in their natural condition are a mix with gum or mucilaginous substances known as gum resins. Several natural resins are used as ingredients in perfumes, e.g. balsams of Peru and Tolu, Elemi, Styrax, and certain turpentines. Other liquid compounds found inside plants or exuded by plants, such as sap, latex, or mucilage, are sometimes confused with resin but are not the same. Saps, in particular, serve a nutritive function that resins do not. At this time, we've reached our conclusion for the night. I hope you're fast asleep, and if not, let the remainder of this episode play out. Keep your eyes closed, and I'm sure you'll be there soon. Sleep well, and talk to you next time.